Good morning, friends. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? That's an interesting question. It's a question I've received in a couple of different uh, prison emails from guys that I minister to, teach down at Angola and or Hunt. And a couple of them ask, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Now, I think this is one of the most important principles of the spiritual life. You learn this, and it can help you every single day. But I'm going to start by kind of setting all the controversy aside and just impress upon you there is a great need to be filled with the Spirit. Now, some questions immediately come to the surface. You know, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What difference does it make? How does it happen? And maybe even more important is, am I filled with the Spirit? I mean, that's a great question. So what's your answer? Somebody, suppose somebody just come up to you and said, are you filled with the Spirit? What would you say? It's not really an easy question to answer, and sometimes it makes us a little bit uneasy as we think about it. But before you can accurately answer a question like that, you kind of need to know what the filling of the Spirit is, what it's not. And So let me tell you about at least three common, I guess we call them misconceptions or strange ideas. The first misconception is that it's an emotional experience. And that's probably the first thing that comes to mind to a lot of people. We, we hear about all kinds of strange things, and believe me, I've seen them on the mission field. I've been in revival meetings. I've been in uh, South Africa where they danced, and in Nigeria, and all kinds of places. You know, people began to shake. They, uh, they fall on the floor. Uh, they bark like dogs. They, uh, I think it was whole, South Africa where I experienced or saw the first sign, holy laughter. I mean, some people cry, some people shout, some people dance around, some people speak in strange tongues. And, you know, for those of us that's a, that grow up in just kind of mainline denominations, this is all pretty strange stuff. But all of this is done in the name of the Holy Spirit. So uh, a lot of people assume that's what we're talking about. Now, I don't want to pass judgment, but let me say clearly that the filling of the Spirit is not primarily an emotional experience. Now, those things I mentioned are not necessarily the mark of a spirit's work in a person's life. Now, this is not to say, and I'm not saying that some of these things might not be genuine. They may be. But what I'm going to talk to you about this morning is not an emotional experience. Another misconception or wrong thought is that the filling of the Holy Spirit is reserved only for special Christians. Now, because we hear sometimes of the unusual things happening and because they don't happen to every Christian, it's kind of easy to think that the filling of the Spirit is reserved for special class of super-Christians. In fact, I've been asked many times, do I have a prayer language? Well, my answer is, yeah, it's called English. They said, oh, no, do you speak in tongues? Because if you don't speak in tongues, well, you must not have that special gift. Well, my response to that is that the Bible clearly commands that every Christian be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's a third uh, misconception that it's often controversial and better better for to better off ignored. Again, this kind of follows from what I said. I mean, some people overreact to the excesses of others and they dismiss the doctrine of the Spirit's filling, and some even refuse the entire doctrine of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's a huge mistake because the Holy Spirit is the one who brings the presence of Jesus to our lives. And again, I don't, I don't want to get into controversial stuff this morning, but may I simply say to you that we desperately need the Holy Spirit today. 
Now, as I'm con- continuing through this series on, in Ephesians, I'm going to turn to Ephesians 5, verse 18. And I'm going to give it to you in a couple of different translations. First of all, in the New International Version, it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The New Living Translation gives a slightly different wording. It says, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. And if you like that, the paraphrase from the message, it says, don't drink too much wine that cheapens your life. Drink the spirit of God, huge drafts of him. I kind of like that phrase, drink the spirit of God. Well, let's get into some teaching about this. I'm going to take you through four observations here from the text and then give you some practical applications. Here's the first thing I want just note the contrast between wine and the spirit in this verse. That's the most basic point. This is kind of a direct parallel between being drunk with alcohol and being filled with the Spirit. Now, what precisely is the point of comparison between wine and the Spirit? Well, I think it's the issue of influence or control. A person who's under the influence of wine or other alcohol experiences, well, (laughs) altered behavior. Nice way of putting it, I guess. They, They may say things or do things they wouldn't ordinarily do. Uh, Their emotions are all charged up, sometimes causing people to get angry, uh, followed by depression. And if you drink enough, your mental processes will be affected and decision-making ability radically altered, almost always with a negative result. Well, likewise, the filling of the Spirit produces a change in behavior. In the book of Acts, I mean, some pretty timid guys, these disciples who ran away when Jesus was arrested, suddenly became, you know, on fire evangelists for Jesus. In Ephesians 5, 19 to 21, Paul mentioned three practical results of the filling of the Spirit. He he talked about singing, a thankful heart, an attitude of mutual submission. I mean, the last result is most significant because true submission always involves giving up your right to be in control of every situation. When we submit from the heart, we're saying, I don't have to have my way all the time. But friends, only a heart touched by the Spirit can maintain such an attitude in every relationship of life. And second, this is a command. You know, in the Greek language, this verb, uh, to, to be filled, um, is in the imperative mode. That means the filling of the Spirit, you know, whatever that is, is not an optional part of Christian life. Every Christian is to be filled with the Spirit all of the time. If you're, the Spirit isn't present in your life, you're not in God's will. Here's the third thing to think about. It's also in the present tense. Now, this insight is particularly helpful because the Greek present tense has the idea of continuous action. It is what happens when you, for example, tell your kids to go outside and uh, rake the leaves before it snows. So they go outside, they rake a few minutes, they come back in, and when you check it, you see that most of the leaves have not even been touched. So you say, why didn't you rake the leaves? And they answer, I did. Well, why didn't you rake all the leaves? Well, that you didn't tell us to. What do you do? You say, okay, go back out there, pick up the rake, and keep on raking until all the leaves are raked. That is the present tense. You keep on doing something. It's not a one-time event. Now, we could legitimately translate this verse, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And that, by the way, is why the filling of the Spirit is not primarily an experience. It's supposed to be the normal way of life for the Christ follower. Well, continuing my little Greek lesson here, it's also in the passive voice. This is a a nuance a lot of people miss. In Greek, as in English, commands can be either active or passive. I mean, uh, 
However, we are much more used to active commands like go to the store and pick up some milk, please. That's an active command. If I say fill that hole with dirt, that's also active. But in Ephesians 5.18, it's passive. He does not say fill yourself with the Holy Spirit, but rather be filled with the Spirit. Now, that's a bit hard to understand. It's like saying to someone, be loved. I mean, how do you do that? How do you be loved? But this is the key to everything. To be filled means the filling of the Spirit is a work of God. It's not something we do. Now, suppose I command you to be loved. But if there's not someone who wants to love you, you cannot obey that command. In the same way, if there's not someone who wants to fill you, you cannot be filled with the Spirit. He's, he's not saying fill yourself, but be filled. It's like that difference between saying love yourself and be loved. Now, I think there are a couple of important truths here. One of them is this. The Holy Spirit is ready and willing to fill us at any moment. And the most we can do is make ourselves available. That's why the New Living Translation says, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. See, I cannot be loved, but I can make myself available to those who want to love me. And if you will, I, I can put myself in the position of love or lovability. I can do those things that make me easy to love, or I can be a, a blockhead and make myself hard to love. Now, let me give you just a new term. Maybe you, you, I've used it once already. Maybe you've never heard it before, and that's fillability. It means two things. One, I'm empty, and two, I want to be filled. That's fillability. It's a need plus desire, and when you need to be filled with the Spirit, it becomes your great desire. You will be over, over again, instantly, every time. Well, let me wrap up this message by a few applications in your life. And they're really basically three issues here we need to think about relating to this filling of the Spirit. One of them is the issue of control. And this is always the central issue of life. I mean, who's in control of your life? Well, a simple phrase that I've shared with many people, I don't know where I ever heard this, first of all, but it's kind of like the primary thing all of us need to learn and use all the time, and it's this, God is God and I am not. I mean, see, everything else flows from that. I mean, learn that and you've learned the central reality of life. Miss that, nothing else makes sense. And most of us need to relearn this a thousand times because it's easy to forget. I can't tell you how often in my prayers I remind myself, Oh God, you are God and I am not. Please forgive me. So here's my definition of the filling of the Spirit. It's what happens when the Holy Spirit has the controlling interest in your life. I mean, go back to that contrast between wine or alcohol and the Spirit. Drunken and Spirit-filled people have this in common. They're both controlled people. They live and their lives and their behavior are radically changed by what fills them. I mean, if, if, if you're filled with anger, then anger controls your life. If you're a greedy person, then greed dominates your life. If, if you're filled with love, love influences. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will have, he will have the controlling interest in your life. It's controlled by consent. Now, let me stop. I'm just going to make a critical a distinction here. Besides being filled with the Holy Spirit, it does not mean I have more of the Spirit. It means the Spirit has more of me. It doesn't happen all at once any more than you get drunk all at once. Being filled with the Spirit happens as you continually choose to live under his influence. And then there's the issue of cooperation. Now, I personally believe that every Christ follower is filled with the Spirit from the moment of new birth, or for many of us, from the day of our baptism. I mean, I was baptized many, 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 many years ago, and I believe from that point in time, Back at Bethlehem Lutheran Church in Wheat Ridge, Colorado, I was filled with the Holy Spirit.
Now, over the years, I've also come to realize uh, that the central issue is one of cooperation. Am I going to cooperate with the Spirit's leading or, and let him lead me, or am I going to keep on trying to do things my own way? Now, a lot of us struggle at precisely this point. We fight the Lord because we want to do things our way. And God says, kind of like a parent does sometimes, okay, if that's the way you want to be, go ahead. I mean, he says, okay, you can do it your way for a while, but I'm going to tell you something, buddy, it's not going to work. Now, in that sense, if we don't cooperate with God, he'll cooperate with us by letting us do things in our own strength and by our own will. But then we cry and we fail and the Lord says, are you willing to cooperate? There's also the issue of contact. You know, the, most people think of the Spirit as a substance to fill us, like, you know, getting gas in your gas tank of your car. So we, we run out of the Spirit and God fills us, but that's not the best image to use. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the uh, L trains, the elevated trains in Chicago. Oh, they're pretty interesting things. They run through the downtown part of Chicago. Now, how do those L trains work? Well, the, the, the train runs on three rails, two for the wheels and one uh, to have electricity. Now, the electricity is always there, but the train doesn't move unless there's contact with that third rail. That's why they tell you not to cross those tracks, by the way. Touch that rail, the train moves, pull away from the rail, and it stops. See, the third rail is like the Holy Spirit. His power is always available, and unlike your electric company, there's never a power shortage, never a brownout. But sometimes we live out of contact with his power. And when that happens, our lives simply stop working the way God intended. Now, let me end where I began, and here's my final definition of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the filling of the Spirit, it's that state in which the Holy Spirit is free to do all that he came into my life to do. Now, I think the key word there is state. The filling of the Spirit is not primarily an emotional experience, certainly not reserved for a few super-Christians. It's nothing more, if you will, the normal Christian life when the Holy Spirit is in control. That's why the command is in the present tense. We are to be continually controlled by the Spirit, cooperating with the Spirit, and in contact with the Spirit. Now, this then is God's moment, moment-by-moment moment provision for vitality, strength, courage, boldness, victory, the abundant life, whatever you want to call it. It is for you. It's a command. It's God's plan for your life. Now, let me close with this thought. Uh, friends, whether you know it or not, God is ready, willing, and able to fill you. I mean, he's more than willing to fill you than you are to be filled. And if for some reason you're not filled with the Spirit, if some of you are listening today and maybe you have never even thought about having Jesus in your life, it's not because of God's reluctance. You wouldn't have to beg God to do what he's already promised to do for us. Rather, he's begging us to make the way clear so he can do what he's promised to do. See, in a sense, being filled with the Spirit is an impossibility, at least as far as it depends upon us. See, only God's Spirit can fill us. But we need to start out with two things. One of them is emptiness and openness. You can't fill a jar that's already full, and you can't fill a jar that's not open. There must be kind of a sense of need. And to think about how many times I've been at revival services or in mission field or in prison, and yes, even sometimes in denominational churches like Lutheranism where people have walked down Maybe not walk down the aisle because they were invited, but walk down the aisle after worship service and said, I'm empty and I need to be filled. 
And you talked about the Holy Spirit today. Lord, I'm open to you. I want the Spirit in my life. See, the filling of the Spirit is really as simple as that. As long as we're conscious of our need, and as long as we are willing to yield to God, we can be filled all day long. The power is available to us all day long. But if we live another day without the Spirit's control of our lives, we have only ourselves to blame. God has made himself fully available to us. Have we made ourselves fully available to him? Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion. God bless.